0: hey if you're watching me on video yeah this is casual day for me so um how's everybody doing i'm doing pretty good myself you know just had a party had a great time and and didn't drink too much at all but more than i usually do so why am i talking about that Well, because today's topic is uh, on alcoholism. My guest is Andrew Culkin, and he has a book out called Amanda, a cautionary tale of alcoholism. And it's about his wife who passed away from alcoholism. So we make light of certain situations, we joke, and we have a good time during our conversation. But I just want you guys to know that we both are aware that it is not a, a joke, it's not something that's funny. Um, so don't take us, you know, in the wrong way, uh, that we think it's funny because it's not. So there's also a lot of folks out there who probably have had direct or at least an indirect contact with an alcoholic. You know, that's one of those things where it's like one of those, what is it? Six degrees of separation. You know, somebody who knows somebody, well, that means that probably every single one of us knows of an alcoholic or a functioning alcoholic so what is a functioning alcoholic it's an alcoholic right anyhow so please sit back listen enjoy please comment please like and please share so enjoy and thanks for always supporting amazing people amazing things
1: what if someone told you that you could learn the secret to happiness or success? Maybe you have an interest in mental health or the unknown or even the desire to communicate with the dead. These are the real stories and encounters from the real people. And here's your host, Chuck Tuck.
0: Uh, Now, Your book is called Amanda, who is your wife and she unfortunately passed away due to alcoholism in uh, back in February of 2020. but. Uh, full- the full title is cautionary
1: tale of uh, of alcoholism specifically this is kind of a dated working cover that we've worked out yeah
0: mm. okay yeah. well how, how and why did you come up with a cautionary tale of alcoholism I, well because i really
1: wanted to wanted people to learn from this experience that i've had you know we were married for 25 years it was quite you know quite a long period of time and she declined for by the last 20 years <laughs> The last mm-hmm. five were very, very bad. And I wanted to, yeah. you have to have caution. You have to have people to understand what's going on and to learn from this experience that I had. I want I want to expose expose alcoholism because so much of it is swept underneath the rug, uh, so much of it is never talked about, which is a big part of the problem. Families don't want to deal with it because it's so much drama and shame and you know, it's embarrassing for a lot of people. It's uncomfortable to talk about it.
0: Yeah, and speaking about it being uncomfortable, I'll just say right up front, forgive me if I ask any personal questions or if it's oh, uncomfortable I, for you, feel free not to answer.
1: Yeah, at this point, there isn't too much that's uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be cautious. Uh, no, you don't need to uh, be. Don't worry about it. There isn't been too much I haven't talked about or, or already ex- explored.
0: Well you know if that's the case what I what I'd like to find out first is you know your wife passed due to alcoholism but was it alcohol poisoning or was it other circumstances that put her into a, a situation that um, caused the death?
1: Well yeah her, her body had deteriorated so dramatically I mean she had fatty liver tissue her kidneys were were, were breaking down uh, her intestines were, were destroyed just from all the alcohol. She had she had, had a uh, uh, an operation on that a couple of times. It affected her heart. Her heart stopped a couple of times. What happened was I put her in her seventh rehabilitation facility and she fell down a flight of stairs. And she was close to UCLA Medical Center where she went and she was actually in the ICU for about a month, for 28 days. Uh, subsequently, they had 12 operations. She had so much um, infection inside of her that they kept going in and trying clean, to clean her out. But her organs were so far deteriorated, they realized there's just nothing else they could do for her. So yeah. the alcohol yeah. definitely yeah. affected you know, She died direct, you know, directly as a result of all the alcohol over the years. It's an extreme case, though, very extreme case.
0: Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask, because some people may wonder, you know, or say, well, I'm not at that point, so I'm not going to die. But right. there are alcohol, alcoholism, alcoholics, granted that at any point in time we could get hit by a car, but that car could be driven by an alcoholic. So right. it, there's a lot of things. And I think you kind of said that at the top of the uh, the program where, you know, three quarters of the population more than likely is affected or has been affected or definitely knows um an alcoholic you might you not you but the person listening may call it oh they're just a heavy drinker right well you know so how is it that we really can identify with with the
1: tendencies of these the alcoholics what i always say the best the best litmus test to understand that someone in your life either a family member a close friend a loved one if they have a problem is how is it affecting you you know how is it affecting you emotionally are you angry sometimes? Are you? Do you have a lot of animosity because this person isn't owning up to it? They're in denial. They keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, no matter how many times you have a conversation with them. If it's affecting you, then, then it's a problem. If it's affecting the family, it's a problem. If it's affecting the people around that person, it's a problem. That's the best way to gear it. Okay. Um, well, wouldn't you think there's
0: sometimes where... He's my, he or she is my drinking buddy, you know, right. it doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me. We're, we're out drinking, but you know, that's true, uh, too. that person, oh, they just drink more than me, but it's okay. Um, I mean, in a situation like that, how is it that, how is it that you can really tell with that Littman's test that, um, if you know, well, if it
1: bothers That's true. But it, it, I think that's what the whole, point of me, you know, talking about this is to expose the truth. Maybe someone will realize, well, he's not drinking more than me. He's got a serious problem. And if, you, if you're if you able to recognize the denial uh, and recognize the habits that you do on a daily basis, an alcoholic is someone who drinks on a fairly regular basis. It's about the amount that you drink and the frequency. And if you can recognize either in yourself or someone who's close to you, you know, but we're talking about rational things. Sometimes people who are in a situation where they're drinking with other people, you're not dealing with a rational mindset. Uh, that's, that's a whole nother thing to explore, too. <laughs> it it, it, it yeah. is. Um, <laughs> because, again,
0: alcoholism and alcoholics, sure, it's, it's about drinking. It's, that's alcohol. But it's more than, like I said, it's more than just that. And it definitely affects more than that alcoholic right. and it affects more than the person that they're sitting next to It oh, just, it's just so it reaches out like your hand is just spread and it just goes you know oh, one two three four
1: um and you know it affects people who are dr- drinking and driving i mean it's it's a real societal problem there's other things i'm trying to do we can talk about later but as far as driving goes i think we need to get a uh, not to jump ahead too much, I'd like really trying to get a designation on people's driver's licenses who have had Mm -hmm. two or more DUIs so that, you know, maybe we shouldn't sell alcohol to people who are dying from alcohol or people who have become a danger to society because they don't have their their drinking in control. I think we need to step in and and do something, you know, similar to like they put uh, on cigarette boxes. Uh, In 1965, saying this, the Surgeon General has determined that cigarette smoking can, you know, cause cancer. We need to do, we need to do something along the lines uh, in people's IDs. So if they get proofed, you know, maybe we need to bring everybody into the big picture. People who are selling alcohol, we need to bring them into the picture.
0: I think that's a really good idea, and, and, and maybe, you know, perhaps it's not labeling them as an alcoholic, but like you said, a danger to society, because it's you can't, behind the car, behind a wheel of any, or machinery, right. you are a danger to people, which is society. I, I think I think that, that, I think, is a really, really good idea. Um, but, you know, the other thing, too, with alcoholics and alcoholism, I, I, what I have found is... This is also jumping ahead. Once, sure. once they are really that alcoholic, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that they um, all of a sudden are an alcoholic when they drink five or ten drinks. They are an alcoholic with one drink. Oh, absolutely. So, um, that's the other thing. I think there's a lot of people, at least people that I've been around, did not think about it that way. They're saying, oh, well, they didn't drink that much tonight. Well, right. no, alcoholism, alcoholic does not go day to day
1: to day to day. So um, yeah, an alcoholic, an alcoholic will be an alcoholic to the day they die. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't realize that you you could not, maybe not drink. You could get a 25 year pin and you, if you started drinking again, you're still an alcoholic that can still kick in even yeah. years and years later. It's not, it's highly unlikely, but the you know, the, you're still an alcoholic because you still have that. Right. Um, you still have that disease inside of you. You still have that. Yeah.
0: And I'm glad you said disease because it is. A lot of people still don't consider it or look at it as a disease. And a disease is something that could come back, and that's alcoholism. Like you said, you can have that one-year pen. You can have that 90-day pen. But if you break – if you have a sip, you just broke it because
1: right. – yeah. And I always I I – because was, I do a lot of stuff on on social media, and a lot of people say, well, it's not a, it's not a disease that – uh, it's just you need to be responsible. A lot of people haven't grown to the point and understand that that it is a disease. It's, it becomes controversial for a lot of people. A lot of people saying they're just not taking responsibility for themselves. Well, it's it's way beyond that. It's way yeah. Beyond. And if they if they
0: can't understand that, well, then look at it this way: if COVID disease, whatever it might be, well, you got to be responsible, right? Well, yeah. Well, be- the same thing with alcoholism right it's a disease and if you don't say it's a disease as you say it's a responsibility well then be responsible to yourself and for others and to others
1: right Right. i always compare it they say there's actually four stages to alcoholism one two three and four similar to cancer Um, and i compare it to cancer a lot of the times because in stage one if you catch it in stage one you have a much higher probability of survival if you catch mm it alcoholism in stage four, you have about a 2% chance of surviving. This is somebody that their entire life is consumed by alcohol. Uh, their day starts with alcohol, it ends with alcohol, and their whole purpose in life is to get more alcohol. And yeah. it, it, they're, they're, there's no more rationale in it. Where stage one is usually between the ages of 13 to 20, younger people who are doing it for social reasons, they're doing it to fit in, they're doing it to... Um, just for social awkwardness and, and for peer pressure, you know, I mean, that that's when kids start. But they they can start a habit. That's that's stage one. Those are the people that I really want to get into college age kids uh, to recognize there's a problem before it gets into stage two into the later stages, which is really important. The, the quicker you, the earlier you get you you get people to realize they may have a problem, the better chances they are of a life of sobriety. Yeah.
0: What I want to point out too, though, is what we're saying right now, or what you're saying right now, is just because you have a drink or two, or three, or four, whatever, through your college years, even high school, it doesn't mean that we're not saying you are an alcoholic.
1: The the vast majority majority of people are not alcoholics.
0: (laughs) Mm Hmm. Yeah. Um, So if you're listening and watching, don't think that you know. Oh, he's wrong. They're wrong. I drink. uh, I go to a party on the weekends. I'm not an alcoholic. Well, chances are, like you said, chances are probably likely that you are not an alcoholic. You're probably
1: not. Yeah. And I'm not sitting here saying abstinence. I'm not I'm not saying Mm -hmm. we should do prohibition. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we just have to recognize somebody that has that has an issue. And usually it's pretty easy to spot that, you know, over a period of time. Sure,
0: um, you know I think one of the biggest things, like you said at the beginning, is is it affecting you? How much is it affecting you? And is that person that's drinking or drinking heavily or whatever it might be, has their behavior changed? And is that change of behavior a constant or almost like a normal? It doesn't mean you go to a party and they're getting all crazy right. and you're going, oh my gosh, you know? No, that's not what we're saying. Right.
1: It's 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 you, yeah. it's the frequency. If you're drinking uh eight to ten drinks a week or if you're binge drinking where you're going you're you're disappearing for three or four days well then you've created a habit that's created a problem you're still in stage one probably but you've you've started a habit stage two is when you that habit has become a real habit uh, and it's becoming it's starting to affect your life maybe it affects your job you're getting you know you you start the weekend on thursday and and, uh, the following wednesday it's still the weekend
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, that, that's a good another way to gear it too yeah and
0: fortunate or unfortunate however one is going to look at this is there are a lot of functioning or functional alcoholics mm-hmm. out there um, really? and I think I personally think that some of them know they are mm-hmm. to a degree they may right. not use the word I'm an alcoholic they say right. oh, I like to drink a lot I' could get to work, I feel fine.
1: Right. You know there it's, like, well, it's, it's all part of the denial process. Mm-hmm. It's all part of the denial is uh, they call it functioning alcoholic. While <clears throat> well, you're functioning now, but you know, over periods of years, it's going to be a problem, like my wife. <clears throat> Excuse me, she used to drink uh, a bottle of wine every night, a small bottle of wine. You know, eventually,, you know, from home from work, we were sales reps. Uh, And there was, you know, it was stressful at the time we had our own brokerage uh, and every night she would drink a bottle of wine and that bottle of wine turned into a bigger bottle of wine. And then eventually that bottle of wine turned into two bottles of wine. Yeah, she was functioning. We made good money and she was a very good sales rep. Uh, But then she started getting things like DUIs uh, and not showing up, uh, you know, not not being being responsible. Uh, And eventually she became... No longer a functioning alcoholic, and it creeps yeah. up on a person. Yeah. By then, well, it's too late. It's too late by then. Yeah, you know,
0: I, I, <laughs> in addition to that, maybe you are not getting DUIs. Maybe you are not late for work. Maybe you are still getting things done, but you have to realize that you are doing um, irreparable damage to yourself. And in Absolutely. the end, you're going to pay for it. And then it's not, uh, once again, it's not just you. Right. You know?
1: It's not just so, you. Um, you know, so, it, it, oh yeah, go ahead. No, no go ahead. <laughs> you your thoughts. I was just gonna ask
0: <laughs> you, uh, uh, how is it that one um approaches the alcoholic? Because you don't wanna you don't want to confront them, you know, head on and say you drink too much and you're you're an alcoholic. You know? so how does one <laughs> responsibly or make that calculated move to respond or to
1: approach an alcoholic well you you do have to do an intervention of sorts and it depends on the relationship if it's a Mm -hmm. if it's a spouse you know relationship like my wife i would do kind of a mini intervention i'd sit down and say this is how it's affecting me this is how it's affecting us this is how it's affecting our life and if it continues we're going to have a further we're going to have deeper problems Um, and then eventually she realized that she needed to go to her first rehab and she admittedly said she realized that she had to because she was extremely sick. She had done a period of binge drinking, Mm -hmm. but just in general, I think if you have a spouse, you just, you have to bring it up. You have to, you have to expose how you're feeling. Uh, alcoholism becomes very narcissistic. Uh, even if it's not the person's normal personality, it's a very selfish uh, type of disease where the person is more concerned about consuming alcohol and getting alcohol, uh, regardless how who it's affecting, and they're not aware of how it's affecting the people around them. So the people around them do need to intervene. They need to intervene, even you know, even in conversation. If it's mm-hmm. a child I mean, sometimes the whole family needs to get together and intervene if it's become a person who's really really out of out of hand you know somebody who's just uh, you know crashing and burning their life uh, they, they, they definitely need to have an intervention and an intervention would include ultimatums you know especially if you're supporting that person you know like with my wife I used to have, I used, to have to take, I used to have to take away credit cards uh, the car keys. I had to hide bank accounts. I had to get all access of funds away from her because mm-hmm. it would just, you know, if she had any access to money, it would mean she'd get alcohol. So you have to intervene. Absolutely. So, so
0: at this is that juncture where it's so difficult to tell um, whether you are a codependent oh, or yeah. if you are... Um, an enabler well i should say more on this part about being codependent once you start taking things away and doing things like that are you becoming codependent um so how is it that how is it that one knows that they are uh, become codependent or actually an enabler Uh, because that's a different one
1: yeah you 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 just just have to again that's kind of what my course and my book talks about is mm-hmm. you, you have to look at you, what your own actions are as a family member or someone who's close by. Have you given that person money knowing that they're going to go buy alcohol? Have you bought alcohol for that person just so there uh, is less drama in the house and just, just to have a quiet evening? I've done that. I did that many times. Mm-hmm. Here's a bottle of wine. So you just go leave me alone, <laughs> you know, just to keep, right, the peace. Yeah. you know, that happens a lot. Um, you know, just uh, allowing things to take place, uh, making excuses like a, we, you, you have a family event like maybe Thanksgiving and my wife wouldn't be able to come. I would just say to her parents, for example, that she was sick. She had the flu. And one case she was actually in jail for a DUI, you know, so you're making excuses for that person rather yeah. than telling the truth. Or, or other other times she was just simply too hung over to go to the family event. So you're, or maybe a person, you're making excuses of why they didn't go to work that day. You're lying for that person. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't have to take responsibility for that person's actions. And when you're doing that, it's a good time to recognize your part in that person's life.
0: Yeah, you know, the difficult thing about that is okay, so we say that the alcoholic is in denial, but when we get to that point, we are in denial ourselves that we are becoming codependent or Definitely. that we are the enabler. So Definitely. it's almost like you need to have three parties involved. You know, you <clears> need to have that extreme outside person to kind of monitor you because you're so close to what's happening that you could actually, again, become that enabler or that become codependent yourself. And somebody right. needs to say, hey, do you realize that I haven't seen you in a long time? Why not? Well, I'm taking care of my wife or I'm taking care of my you know, husband or whatever it might be. Right. And you need to go, wait a second. I've adjusted my life, everything to be here. So
1: that could be that uh, codependent,
0: you know?
1: Uh, absolutely. That's why I wrote the book, and that's why I have a coaching program to become that third person, so that someone can identify, and, and everything I'm talking about can resonate with that person, and they will be able to identify being a codependent, being an enabler, or being an alcoholic, and your role in the whole the whole thing. I mm-hmm. always say, you know, when a person's an alcoholic, the whole family is is suffering from alcoholism. It's a disease that everyone is suffering from. And you just have to identify your role in that person's life and you know if are you contributing to the alcoholism or are you intervening and recognizing when to do both
0: yeah I I think probably one of the most difficult things and I'm gonna ask you this is the, the extreme outside people of that circle may say well if you knew, why didn't you leave? Or the other thing is, well, (laughs) you know, didn't you see it? And didn't you know
1: that kind of thing? Well, I get that all the time. I go, well, you're married 25 years. Why did you stay? Why did you stay? You know, well, you know, that's my, my personal reasons. I mean, I come from a very, uh, you know, both my parents were married. My parents were married for 60 years. My grandparents were married for 50. It's part of my own culture. I mean, I got married for better or for worse, but I was, you know, I was pushed to the point where you don't want to be taken down either with, with the ship. You know, right. I also talk about there is a point where you do need to separate from that person no matter the relationship. Um, if it's getting to the point where it's, it's destructive in your own life, uh, you don't, it's better to have one person survive the disease than two people go down with the disease. Yeah. Um, and really? it is,
0: you know, it is probably one of the most difficult things I would imagine for an individual to do. That individual is the person who is the, I'll just say the associate of the alcoholic. Right. Is to say enough is enough. I'm out of here. Which is, you know, it's hard to do. And like you said, uh, it could be your own beliefs, your own um, personal reasons, whatever they may be, that you are still there. Right. Um, But you... Bottom line: that you need to recognize when you yourself is becoming an enabler or codependent of the person. And
1: it's very um, difficult because it can it can sneak up on you. You don't realize when you're that close to it uh, how your life has changed, how it was different from 10 years ago. Uh, you know when you start putting her in rehabs and then the rehabs don't work. Okay, so what do you do next? You go to group counseling and then then she has mandatory group counseling because. You know, she got arrested a few times, so she, she you know, court-ordered has to do these. Uh, and then you, you, you kind of keep following, you know, and making sure all these steps are taking place, and then years go by, and you're still there, and um, you kind of look back, and you kind of wonder, why, why did I go through all that? You do? Yeah. Absolutely.
0: It's It's got to be the hardest thing, and I, I would have to uh, say that <clears throat> the survivor— it's not your fault. You know, it's oh, yeah. it it, no, you not your
1: fault. You have to realize, you, you know, that took away. You know, I always say this when she passed away. You know, there was a plethora of emotions, but the biggest one was relief. Really? Mm-hmm. Just, it's just relief. It's like, wow, somebody gave me my life back. <laughs> you know, really? i yes, and I would imagine because,
0: and just because you feel that doesn't mean that you're a bad person, it's no. because you were so caught up in it, and you, I would imagine you, you didn't you didn't know until right. like you said, the person is gone, and then all of a sudden it's like what? Right. where does stress go right. you know? is is this now like is it now that all those other emotions wash over you like am mm-hmm. I a bad person, am I supposed to feel like this
1: no. It, um, well, there, yeah, there's a lot of animosity that you have, and then it, you know, over a period of a couple of years, that kind of goes away, and you you remember the person, because sometimes you you forget the person too, because that person is no longer there. Really, a, a hardcore alcoholic, that's no longer the person; it's a completely different human being, you know. And we got to separate the disease from the person, and, and remember the person. That's hard to do too. Yes, um, that is.
0: And especially if you're a husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, you live together or whatever your situation is. Do you feel as though that person who does not have the problem should abstain from up drinking or clear out their um, cabinet uh, of
1: alcohol? Yes and no because <laughs> i mean I, I smoke a cigar once in a while and i have you know a collection of uh, high-end whiskeys you know and i might have one a week um i had a big cabinet it had three big locks on it um she couldn't get into it but i don't think you should completely alter your life for that person you still have to be who you are you know yeah there's some people would say no, you shouldn't shouldn't have any alcohol in life. You shouldn't do anything. But I, I don't think it's fair to have to change yourself that much. Uh, as long as you're, as long as you're doing the responsible thing, as long as that person mm-hmm. doesn't have any access to it. And you know, my wife had no access to that particular thing, and she knew that if she went near it, it would be you know big big trouble. So yeah. she never did. You
0: know, I, I'm glad you're answering it that way because that is such a controversial thing. You hear one side mm-hmm. say exactly what you said is don't change your life so much, and no, you don't have to clear everything out. And I can right. see where somebody has a whiskey or scotch collection, you know, they've got right. a $3,000 bottle. Right.
1: I, I'm, I'm not going to just. Get rid of it all flush it down the toilet yeah i'm not I'm not dumping the uh the whistle pig down the toilet, no, no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like sorry, hun, no way, right,
0: but you know, and then you hear the others that say the complete opposite, you need to get away, you need to get rid of everything, everything that you have, and you don't even go out and drink right and it's like but then again, like I said, well, now I've changed my entire life, right and where am I going with that? Yeah.
1: Well, I think the bottom line is is just be aware that if you have alcohol in the, alcohol in the house, you do need to be aware of it, at least mm-hmm. and, and monitor it at least. Either have it locked away in a vault like you would have a gun, literally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, I would, I wouldn't say have it available because it would just disappear. You're I could right. never, I could never put a like a, a six pack of beer in the refrigerator be gone in ten minutes. Yeah. You know, I used to actually hide beer. I used to hide like once in a while drink a beer. I'd have a six pack in my trunk and I'd put one in the freezer if I wanted to drink it and then drink that beer. (laughs) And eventually I just did away with it entirely. Eventually I did. I just had my locked up whiskey. The best way is the whole point of it, either get rid of everything or at least have the responsibility so the person doesn't have any access to it.
0: Yeah, and there's that word responsibility. So now right. we also have to be responsible for right. ourselves and for uh, the alcoholic. And like I said, that's just at least making it so it's not available for them to just reach into their fridge and grab it and right. crack that can open and drink it, you know? Because it'll be uh, gone.
1: Any 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 access to any alcohol will just will, will vaporize. Yeah,
0: um, you know the other thing too, as far as going into rehab and things like that. And as far as the alcoholic quitting, it's not that we, we, I say we, the associate drives them and say, hey, you're going to rehab and then they're going to magically quit. If they don't want to stop drinking, they're not going to stop drinking. No matter, I think, honestly, how much we push them towards, you know, saying you need to stop you, 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 you. And I think uh, anytime we point fingers, that person becomes defensive whether an alcoholic or
1: anything else you know well one thing good about rehab if you want to talk about rehabs for a minute rehabs I always say are a band-aid they're they're a band-aid to start in the right direction and things that good things that happen in a rehab is that they try to reach the core reason why the person drinks to begin with a lot of times there's trauma in childhood. There's something unhappy, or, or uh, there's some unhappiness in their life, and you really want to get to that core issue. And they try to pull that out in rehab, and to understand why you're drinking to begin with, because happy, well-adjusted people are not alcoholics, generally, yeah. you
0: know. Right, generally, or <laughs> you know, or we did not make a habit out of it. Um, right. <clears throat> I, I, I've known a couple of people who were. Alcoholics, and I used to shake my head like this because they, you know, they never considered themselves an alcoholic, but a heavy right. drinker. But their spouse said, "Go," right. but it actually, for for one individual, it caused more of a problem um, because they opened up some other doors, and then they thought, "Oh, this maybe it was because of this," and then they started stressing on that. Now, right. that's just me reading into that part about they started stressing, so they did not quit drinking. Right? Um, yeah, it, sometimes it just, they
1: want- yeah, like my wife went to well, she she died in her seventh rehab, but she went through six rehabilitation facilities. So I mean, thirty day rehabilitation facilities, and none of them lasted more than a month. You know, she's yeah. on the she's on the floor drunk again. You know, so the person has to really, you gotta want to, you gotta meet it halfway. That's why it's mm-hmm. so important to get it in the earlier stages. By the time we got my wife help, she was well into th- stage three, stage four. It was just it was too late for her, really. I know we kind of talked about this early on, but I just want to ask,
0: what is that line that we draw? How do we figure out for ourselves to keep our sanity? Mm-hmm. This enough is enough. I mean, <clears throat> when we do that, does that mean enough enough is enough, but I'll come back and check on you? Or does that mean enough is enough? You know, you walk away.
1: Well, there, there's a lot of variables and it depends on the relationship. If it's a spouse relationship. I think there's a point where you do need, you do need to walk away for, forever, you know. Mm-hmm. And if there's children involved, you can't always do that. Every yeah. situation will be different. There is no one cookie-cutter answer to that. The other one is when you have parents who, who have a child who's an alcoholic. That's a totally different situation. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I, I talk about this a lot. I think parents need to be tougher, uh, they need The kid needs tough love, and I think parent-enabling is the worst kind because they'll allow them to stay in their house, they'll give them money, they'll give them food, transportation, and that's when all that needs to go away for that person to change their life. If you've got like a 22-year-old kid living with you and he's an alcoholic or some other substance abuse, uh, the family needs to, they can't obviously can't walk away from their child, but they need to... They, they definitely need to do a serious, serious intervention. Yeah. You know, yeah. since we're talking about
0: younger folks, kids, uh, right. maybe teenagers, and you, you didn't go through that situation with your wife because no. she was a, your age, but you yeah. definitely yeah. seem like you have the insight to it. So how would yeah. a parent approach? So a parent is sitting there on a Friday night, but they notice that their child always comes home and um, maybe runs right to the room or their behavior is just slightly different every, every day, but then all of a sudden it becomes a habit. How does that parent ask or how do they approach? And we've talked about this a little bit, but for a child, a parent to child, uh, um, how is it and what do they look for to recognize? Well, maybe this is leading towards alcoholism or drinking too much.
1: Well, I, th- I think the parent needs to intervene as early as possible smell their breath you mm-hmm. know almost act like a prison guard if you have to smell their breath check out their room I mean you you need to especially if they're living in your house yeah uh, now a teenager is different I mean they you know all teenagers experiment with something yeah. that's not what we're talking about we're talking about maybe a, a kid that's a little bit past the age of where they should be living with their parents. It's usually, okay. it's usually the situation, maybe 22, 24, 25, and they're still living with their parents, and they're not doing anything particularly productive And uh, because of the alcohol. It's pretty obvious to, to see that. And I think it's when tough love needs to come in. The reason why I talk about this because I, I spoke at a lot of re- rehab facilities. That's really how I started all this. Uh, I go to my wife's rehab facilities, and after she passed away, I asked them to talk. They would have what's called a family weekend uh, and it was when uh the parents of all the people who were in the rehab would come to the family weekend to kind of reunite with their you know with their loved one that was either a spouse or a child or whatever and there's a lot of a lot of families there that were you could tell they were enabling their kids they just allowed them to do anything they wanted they were living at home 26 27 years old <laughs> And I would really get in their face and say, you got to stop doing this. You are the problem. You are the problem. You're yeah. allowing this to take place.
0: You're right about that. I mean, it's, it's parent to the older child or, again, whether it be husband-wife situation, you, you know, the associate may be saying, well, I'm just keeping them safe. Um, right. I love them. I'm keeping them safe so they could do it at home. Well, that's the right. wrong thing. You are now enabling them because you're allowing them to continue
1: with that. And obviously you have to allow your kid to grow up. You have to give them space to grow up. You have to give them the gift of growing up. You have to allow them to go off on their own, you know, and and allow them to make their own mistakes. People grow when they don't have any money in their pocket and they're hungry. People, you get resourceful. You get resourceful real fast. Okay. (laughs)
0: Uh, Andrew, can I ask you again, can you um, tell us the name the full name of the, your upcoming book and um, website and things like that so people can actually go
1: there and possibly pre-order uh, your book? Yeah, you go to the pre-orders the name of the book is Amanda, A Cautionary Tale of Alcoholism. You can go to Com. You can go in there and put your email and name for pre-orders. And I have, uh, there's a, it's called, there's an alcoholic in the family. It's a co- coaching program coming out in October of 2023. And that's going to be very, it's it's about four hours of content. And then we're going to have a uh, group counseling and uh, some other bonuses that are all going to be attached to it. It's really designed to help families and identify an alcoholic, what to do, and an alcoholic to di- identify in themselves that they might have a problem as well.
0: Yeah. It, you know, so we were kind of talking about this earlier where probably three quarters of the population is affected by, or at least we'll say half are affected by alcoholism or an alcoholic. Three quarters know uh, someone, but half joking, we've all heard that, you know, six degrees of um, so seven separation. Degrees of separation? All right. 30. Kevin, Kevin Bacon thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, in this situation, would mean that every single person on this planet would know an alcoholic or somebody oh, that has a absolutely. drinking problem. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, the last thing that I want to ask you is: so, what do we need to know, and how is it that we can? Uh, well, how does people? How do people? The society uh, understand. How do I put this? What is it that the people need to know in order to help an alcoholic? Um, I, I know we've kind of everything that we're talking about is kind of about that, but is there anything specific that non drinkers need to know? Uh, best practices to help an alcoholic or heavy well, drinker? I think
1: the best thing is to identify that there's a problem and, and, and to have a conversation. Uh, If it's affecting you in any way and and let that person know how they're affecting themselves. Number one thing is to talk about it like we're doing it like we're doing today. Have a conversation Mm -hmm. with your spouse. Have a conversation with your child. Sometimes it could be the child is the parent and the adult adult is the alcoholic. You know, sometimes that's a a situation, too. But you you have to talk about it. You can't just ignore it, deny it, pretend it's not there. It's only going to get worse. The other thing I want to say, the the opposite of uh, an alcoholic is instead of drinking, simple things people can do is find, do something positive, go join a gym, take a walk, uh, do yoga, uh, read a book, find positive activities instead of your routine of drinking every time you come home, do something else instead. Find ways to incorporate positive things in your life instead of drinking. That's good for people who are maybe stage one, uh, you know, so they can, you know, get out of that habit and and force themselves uh, and recognize that they have a problem by doing positive things in their life.
0: That's exactly it. A habit, because a lot of this starts out, a lot of everything start out, starts out as a habit and break it before it becomes a habit, because it probably takes three times longer to break the habit than
1: it is to get into one. It does. Um, it's, it's easy to get uh, a, a disease, but it's real hard to to, to get out of it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, you know, this is this topic is so important, and this is something that is not just seasonal. It's, no, uh, it's definitely not. not seasonal. <laughs> <laughs> it's an everyday thing. So, uh, as you said, uh, that second part of the title of your book, it's a cautionary tale. So, cautionary. you know, just
1: be aware be alert um, and take, take action if you have to take action with your loved ones uh yeah. do it now uh, rather than later it's only going to get worse if you if you don't take action now it's only going to get worse yeah uh
0: andrew i just want to say thank you very much for your time on this and i look forward to uh, being able to read your book so, great <laughs> looking for that
1: Me (laughs) too. I can't wait till it's out.